This is Journeys, conversations about culture and the issues affecting First Nations people in BC. Brought to you by Prince Rupert Port Authority, linking a world of opportunity. Online, rupertport.com. Welcome to Journeys. I'm Char Normando on Your Nation, Your Station, CFNR. So what does phase three of BC's COVID restart plan mean for you? We've got Acting Deputy Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Nell Wyman from the First Nations Health Authority, joining us on Journeys tonight to talk all about the newly lifted restrictions and to tell us what we can expect moving forward and what will have to happen in order to get to our final phase, phase four. That's all coming up next, so stick around. You are the person who knows the most about what we can, what we can't do, what uh, we should be doing, and all of the great things that come along with this phase three reopening plan. So welcome. Well, thanks for having me, Shar. I'm not sure I necessarily know the most of anybody, but um, I'm happy to share what I know so far with your listeners. Dr. Wyman gets to talk to Dr. Henry all the time, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as we all know at this point, hopefully July 1st, which is yesterday, phase three started in BC. So what does that mean for people going forward? Well, I think one of the first things people need to know that they might not know about BC's restart plan is all the different phases have depended on how many of us have been vaccinated, the number of COVID case counts in the province, and that they have to be on the decline and the number of hospitalizations and acute, you know, people receiving acute care. So if all those indicators are heading in the right direction, then we move from one phase to the next. And because we met the criteria for step three, that meant yesterday uh, we were able to move into, into step three and all of those things that go along with it. So all those sort of freedoms or changes that happened in Phase two are remain, and then there's additional freedoms, I guess, as people talk about them uh, in phase three. So for BC right now, what is the vaccination rate looking like? Are we on track? Are we ahead of the game? Are we struggling in some areas? BC, I think, um, relatively speaking, compared to other provinces and territories in Canada is doing really well. And Canada as a country is actually doing really well. And I think we should all congratulate ourselves for that. Uh, we are on our way to, you know, achieving what's called herd immunity or community immunity. And that is, I think, because of the, you know, a lot of the, the good public health messaging that has gone out. But I think, you know, people are interested in, in, in getting those freedoms back in getting what we're calling back to normal. Um, and so vaccination, you know, the full course of vaccination, dose one and dose two is really important. And people see that, right? They recognize that. So I didn't see any data from yesterday because it might have been it was a holiday. But I think we are somewhere around 77 or 78 percent of adults 18 and older have their dose one. And about a third of adults have their dose two. And that was one of the criteria being over 70% uh, dose one vaccinated for step three. And COVID case counts, I think, are somewhere, I think it depends on the day, but anywhere, I think, between the mid to high 20s to mid 40s daily new cases. So we are doing really, really well. 
when was the last time we saw those kinds of rates? I think we actually hadn't seen those rates since last August of 2020. So it's been, you know, almost a whole year. In fact, for myself, just, you know, working day to day on, on the, on the public health response to COVID, I can't remember when we had numbers that low, cause it's been, you know, they had been so much higher sort of over the winter, the first part of this year. So it's really good to see low number of cases, the number of people in hospital are coming down, the number of people in ICU are coming down. And as far as the vaccination rates for the second dose go, does it seem like we're on the same path for percentage wise in terms of getting the same amount of people vaccinated with the second as the first? You know, I would say I think the vaccination rates for second dose, I think, are going up. We're delivering a lot of second doses. The mass vaccination clinics are still happening. I did see probably another person who knows even more about the pandemic than I do is that Keith Baldry on uh, Global, I think. Um, he's always quoting the vaccination rates like, you know, numbers right off the top of his head. But he was he was mentioning, I think I, lo- I was listening to the news the other day that the 20 to 29 year old age group, I think is outpacing the 30 to 39 year old age group in British Columbia. And there were some hypotheses or people were wondering why that was. And they were saying, you know, well, maybe the 30 to 39 year olds are the ones that are busy with their jobs and with their family. But I don't know, I I think everyone's kind of a lot of people are busy. So I think probably some tailored messaging as well will be necessary going forward to make sure that all of those age groups are getting their second doses and that we have, you know, as many second doses as we do first doses. I think what a lot of people don't understand is dose one and dose two are considered a primary series together. Dose two is not a booster of dose one. You need both of those doses to have, you know, kind of the optimal immunity to COVID. So I would encourage everyone who's had a first dose to get a second dose, even if because of supply issues, it's different than dose one. For example, if you had Moderna the first time and you're going to get Pfizer the second dose, or you're going to, you had Pfizer the first time and you end up getting Moderna the second dose, you are still receiving the primary series for COVID-19 immunization. And after you've received your second dose, how long before you're fully immune or you've reached your peak immunity? So here's where the step three recommendations come in as well. So it is now recommended, for example, that, you know, the public order against masks as part of step three has been rescinded, meaning it's taken away. So masks are no longer mandatory. But the strong public health guidance is that if you are not fully vaccinated, meaning having dose one and dose two, that you continue to wear a mask indoors in public spaces. And by fully vaccinated with dose one and dose two, typically they're saying two weeks after dose two, but to err on the side of caution, we're probably going to say something like, you know, two to three weeks, even two to four weeks. There have been cases of breakthrough, people where have gotten COVID after receiving an immunization. So it's a personal choice for people what they want to do at this point, but the guidance is minimum two weeks post your second dose. And speaking of the mask guidelines, I know there's a lot of people 
that are still hesitant to maybe get rid of the mask, even though they're fully vaccinated. What are your recommendations? I know you kind of touched on it, but what are your recommendations for people or even people that are feeling anxiety because of the changes? Well, here is where I agree very much with Dr. Bonnie Henry is, you know, now we have gotten away from mandates and public health orders. People are knowledgeable now about COVID-19 and what they need to do to keep themselves safe. And we're also recognizing the mental health aspects of the pandemic, right? So what Dr. Bonnie Henry said in the news conference announcing step three, and what I'm sharing with you here today is there may be some people who still choose to wear their masks. And that is entirely a personal decision. It's what they feel they need to keep themselves or their families safe. And in certain situations, people are still individual situations like businesses, healthcare settings, people are still wearing masks. So it's really important that we be kind and we be respectful of people who are choosing to carry on wearing masks, even if, for example, we choose not to. Really interesting. I live in an apartment building and I was in the elevator this morning and some young man looked down at me and he said, you know, that we don't have to wear those anymore. And I just said, you know, you do you and and I'll do me. <laughs> and I'm still going to wear my mask for the next little while. I'm still, I'm not two weeks post dose two yet. So I'm still going to wear my mask and hope that other people respect each other's personal choices. Can we talk about travel a little bit and safe traveling? So obviously a lot of the Indigenous communities or most Indigenous communities throughout the, the country have been shut down to protect the most vulnerable citizens. I know it's individual and it's based on each thing, but is now a time that people can kind of start looking into visiting their home communities? Yeah, I mean, people's reasons for traveling are also important, right? So now recreational travel is encouraged, or we can, we can actually travel recreationally, I think the step three actually says Canada wide. But, you know, it, it really depends on where you intend to go, whether or not they're there yet in terms of receiving people traveling for different reasons. So, you know, we have heard so many stories over the pandemic of people, First Nations people, for example, who live in urban settings who want to go home, right, and have a visit, like you say. And I think it's important, first of all, you know, to check with your family and, you know, that your family there will know if the community is welcoming visitors. But I would say for extended family members, people are probably happy to get back together after such a long time. You know, the, the social connections, it's really important. Uh, uh, you know, one of the underpinnings of these steps are that we increase our social interactions so that we, you know, that that helps people's mental health. But I would say for people who aren't from those communities, and if you're just traveling, like, say, for camping or, you know, to go to a certain place, you really want to be mindful, I think, of passing through communities at this time. And, and if a community, for example, even decides to still question people coming through, that's really up to the community, right? So I think, you know, part of, again, Dr. Henry's messaging as well was that, you be, that we be respectful that some places who haven't had cases in weeks and are fearful that, you know, that they may be exposed to the variants, for example, it's really important to be respectful. So it's not kind of like, 
free for all where everybody starts traveling <laughs> everywhere. I think um, it's important to go back and visit relatives, of course, and communities. And I think that would be welcome. But I think it's important also, as she said, I think to respect the wishes of those communities um, and not overwhelm them uh, with tourists and, and visitors. And if things keep going the way they're going and we get all of our vaccinations and when do you think we'll get to phase four and is phase four the final phase before it's back to, like we said, in quotations, normal? Yeah. So BC has a four step restart plan and according to the plan, um, which you can find on the province of BC website, the earliest that we could move up to step four would be on September 7th of this year. So after Labor Day. And again, that is based on criteria so that we continue to have, you know, vaccination rates that are high. We continue to have low new daily COVID cases. We continue to have low hospitalizations and people needing intensive care. And really, Part of also what's written in the plan is, you know, people moving away from COVID safety plans in businesses and workplaces to uh, just the general communicable disease uh, plans. And that, I think, is to remind us all that COVID probably won't be eradicated completely, meaning we'll never get rid of it forever, forever. This may indeed be a virus that stays with us to a certain extent and that we may need at some point booster shots to the full vaccine course that we've gotten so far, which is dose one and dose two. With phase three, something that a lot of people were looking forward to when we're talking about the social interaction being such a, a big part, but we've been missing out on the larger social gathering. So with phase three, what does that mean for people who wanna to get together with more than the 10 people you were allowed to before? So for, for sort of, you know, what they're calling personal gatherings. So if it's like a, a family dinner, a family picnic, a family reunion, there is a, essentially, you know, again, in quotations, return to normal for indoor and outdoor personal gatherings. So that means you can have uh, as many people as you like. You're going to have a, a family reunion picnic, for example. It is also, though, important, as Dr. Henry has said, we, we now know a lot about COVID, all of us, and how to protect ourselves and how to keep ourselves safe. So if there are members of our family that are not fully vaccinated, if there are members of our family who cannot be vaccinated for whatever reason, it may be important to still take some of those safety precautions, right? So you can go to these things, but you know, make sure you have a mask if you're not yet fully vaccinated, for example. So indoor and outdoor personal gatherings go back to normal. Indoor organized gatherings, so that may be an event held, for example, at a restaurant or something, is 50 people or 50% capacity. And then outdoor organized gatherings is actually 5,000 people or 50% capacity, whichever is greater. 
So there are still some new, you know, number limits on organized gatherings. But the other one um, that I was reading about is there's now no capacity limits on uh, or restrictions on religious or spiritual gatherings. So I would think, you know, in the case of ceremony or some cultural activity for First Nations people that that would be included under that category. Um, and people can go ahead. Mind you, as, as I've mentioned a couple times, it's important to have those communicable disease plans in place for large organized gatherings of that sort. And people are probably still doing, I can't remember where I was yesterday. Anyway, I got asked for contact tracing purposes. So people may still, you know, take down names and phone numbers or addresses of people who are attending organized gatherings for the purposes of contact tracing, if something occurs at that event. It's important also for your listeners to know that right now, because the case numbers are so low provincially, that community transmission right now is really, really low, which is amazing. You know, people have done such a good job, both at adhering to the public health measures and uh, going out and getting vaccinated when they've had the opportunity to. So I think we should all give ourselves a big pat on the back. Um, we've been through a lot. This has been an incredible year and a half for many people. And it's good to see people finally have that hope, right? That things are changing and going in the right direction. We can be together again. You and I were kind of talking a little bit about anxiety over this new phase are there some kind of resources for people to access if they are feeling anxious about the return to you know life as we kind of knew it before yeah i mean i think for example on our first nations health authority website if you go to what we do the what we do tab and there's mental health resources for example i'm not sure off the top of my head that there's covid specific mental health counseling for kind of the recovery phase, although I know we are talking about, you know, the mental health impacts of this pandemic were huge, are huge. And we are now doing a lot of planning for the recovery phase. And it seems a little bit late now that we're into step three, but nevertheless, uh, but, you know, I think it's important for people, again, to recognize that some people are just you know super happy that we're in phase three and that things are moving forward but other people have been through a lot um, they have lost people for example they may still be grieving and other people may have a lot of anxiety because we have gotten used to living in a certain way and sort of this sort of crush of crowds and, and invitations to do things from friends and family may be a bit overwhelming for people. So I would say, uh, as I always do for any mental health issue, not just, you know, reach out for help and support if you need it, but some people aren't able to do that. So check up on each other, check in with each other, check in with your family, say, how are you doing? And check up with each other on a regular basis. They're you know, right now there is a lot going on, not just the COVID pandemic. There's, you know, the finding of the unmarked graves, there's the wildfires, there's been the heat wave and the deaths. I mean, it's really been a challenging time. So I'm, I'm glad that this phase is underway because I think that's one good news piece that's going on for us right now. Do you think that potentially just because, and this is anecdotal and I'm sure 
we may see numbers eventually. Everybody I know, nobody got sick over the last year. And obviously we weren't interacting Mm -hmm. as much, but people still were interacting. But everybody I know also increased their hand washing and wore a mask. Do you think that's something that might be a public health recommendation during certain seasons moving forward? Yeah, I don't know if it would be a public health recommendation, but I totally agree with you, Char. Anecdotally, I've heard so many people say that they have not had one cold over the last year and a half, myself included, and I'm usually good for one or two a year. Uh, So that's, it's incredible, actually, when you think of it, right? Something so simple, just being super cautious, frequent hand washing, wearing the mask, trying not to touch my face. I'm really bad at that one. I I don't know if it would ever become a recommendation because, you know, the common cold virus is endemic. But again, I think it's a personal choice, right? There were other, in other countries, wearing of masks is much more normalized outside of the pandemic than than it is in, in kind of our society. So I think people are kind of onto something. And I don't know, I, you know, I don't find the mask wearing to be too intrusive in like malls, for example. I, I, I might continue, you never know. Um, is there anything else you wanted to leave us with before I let you go? Well, I guess, you know, on one, on one note, I just, you know, I do want to always say that, you know, this has been definitely an experience that we have collectively gone through. And that when we talk about numbers, particularly numbers of deaths, in the communities we're not just talking about numbers right we're talking about people who loved and were loved who were mothers fathers sisters brothers aunts uncles grandparents elders and they will definitely be missed so there's that and i send the families and communities respect but on the other hand, there is this positivity too that people feel, right? We have collectively gotten through this together. We are strong, we are resilient. We've kind of done it, you know, like BC First Nations and Indigenous people, I think have really shown leadership during the pandemic. Communities have looked after themselves and looked out for themselves. I think everyone needs to really be congratulated for showing such leadership and just sheer resilience, you know, acknowledging the work of healthcare workers, teachers, bus drivers, every single person, no matter what your role is or what your job is, has really, I think, in some respects, shown the best of themselves during this pandemic. And we've come out of this better for it. So congratulations to everybody. We still have a ways to go. But I think that we can all be proud that we really did live up to that slogan that we're all in this together. Thanks to Dr. Nell Wyman, Acting Deputy Chief Medical Officer of Health at the First Nations Health Authority for being with us on the show today. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, I wanted to mention again that you can log on to fnha.ca to find great help there, including links to culturally safe supports and emergency helplines for both elders and youth. If you want to see all the details of BC's new restart plan, log on to gov.bc.ca. The COVID info link is right on the front page. I want to thank you for listening to tonight's show. I'm your host, Char Normando, and I hope you have a great night. This has been Journeys. Join us next time for more conversations about culture and the issues affecting First Nations people in BC. 
Brought to you by Prince Rupert Port Authority. Linking a world of opportunity. Online, rupertport.com.